0: are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life.
1: And we've been leaning into Exodus 20 and, and uh, Matthew 5. I got some of those numbers rolling in my head. I got to slow down here uh, and just kind of trying to glean some wisdom uh, off of how God has framed Uh, Really our relationship with him and how God has set up our relationship and and set some standards uh, with others around us. And so we just I just believe that the best relationships are because we've made clear expectations. And, and that's kind of what we've been talking about. We've been going through the, the Ten Commandments and then we're talking about uh, and just and kind of mirroring that to what Jesus says about the Ten Commandments. And it's been a fun series. If you've missed a few of the, the messages, I would encourage you to jump on our podcast and uh, go ahead and listen a few of those. Uh, but I do want to tell you this, is when it came to the Ten Commandments, Moses wrote them. I said this last week, but I feel like I got to say it again. Jesus wrote them on, or I mean, I'm sorry, Moses wrote them on stone. But When Jesus came, he wanted them written on our hearts. You all know what I'm trying to say? That Jesus wanted us to not just carry the Ten Commandments down a mountain. Jesus wanted us to live them out. And so I, I believe that Exodus 20 and Matthew 5 just kind of correlate together and Jesus is helping us kind of bridge that gap. And so today we're going to talk out of Exodus 20, verse 17. And so if you have your Bibles, open it up and I'll, go, I'll begin to read. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet or covert your neighbor's wife. Or his male or female servants, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now if you're anything like me, this word covet is an unused English word, uh, at least in my dictionary and the way that I talk. And so uh, I, I, I just kind of assume the same with you that we're, it's kind of a kind of a bygone word. We're not really using that often. So what I want to do is just take a few moments and kind of um, unwrap what I think covet means. Uh, in this, uh, in today's culture, in today's uh, in today's conversation, in essence. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at that word covet in the Hebrew. That word covet is pronounced hamad. I was going to have you repeat that, but I was worried that you'd hawk a loogie in the back of the person in front of you, and then we would be really worrying about diseases. And so let's not do that today, uh, but it's hamad, uh, and it it means typically to desire to covet, to take pleasure in, or to delight in. Uh, the, the way that I read scripture and the way that I've been taught to read scripture is when you when you read something and you kind of want to get to a deeper meaning of it, is what you do is you mirror it against other contexts within scripture. One of the things I really like doing is going to the first reference of a word in the Bible, which usually means a journey back to Genesis. And what I found to be true with Hamad is that there are two references in Genesis. The, the first and second reference in the Bible uh, with this word covet or Hamad uh, is found in the Genesis story. And this Hamad is in, and I love, I just love saying it. So I'm going to say it a bunch. Uh, it's just so awesome. Hamad and <clears throat> helps with some of my throat issues. So uh, but what, it's directly related to the fall of man. And so let's lean into those today and see uh, if we can understand this word covet better with the context that it's used in Genesis. So Genesis 2.9, it says this, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing Hamad to the eye and good for food. Okay, let me read that again. The Lord God made all kinds of trees that would would grow out of the ground, trees that were hamad to the eye and good for the food. And where did he place them? He placed them in the middle of the garden, and there was a tree of life, and on the other side there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you grew up in the church, you would know this, that the story, how it progresses, is God puts humans in the center of that garden in the center of those trees and he says you can have of everything but the one thing you can't have and you can't eat of is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil now isn't it funny in our life that we'll have like everything we need but then when we realize we don't have one thing we can begin to fixate on just that you all know what I'm saying I need some help this morning I'm a little tired okay I woke up at the equivalent at about 4 a.m. this morning, you know what I'm saying? Uh, stupid uh, daylight savings. Let's, let's go ahead. Let's, let's curse daylight savings right now. My kids slept in an extra hour, though. Praise Jesus. So Genesis 3, 6, uh, right after the Lord had instructed uh, them not to eat from that one tree, we see this. When the woman saw that the, full, uh, the fruit of the tree was good for food and hamad to the eye, pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. So what we can see with this word covet, it, is, it has a direct relationship to what we gaze at. There's a direct relationship to what we're near to. And this word covet, if I was trying to help you understand a little bit more of what it means, is I believe to covet is to look. To covet is to desire. To covet is to begin to fixate on what is just beyond your grasp, just beyond your hands. I believe that Genesis and the story and this commandment we find in Exodus is, is this picture. It gives you this idea of this long gaze, is this, uh, it really starts giving me this idea of what are we looking to? What are we trying to grab a hold of? Now let me, this is something I've learned about coveting. Coveting demands your full attention. And if we give our full attention to what we're looking at, it'll eventually capture your heart. Coveting demands your full attention, but will eventually capture your heart. I believe a person who covets is a person who willingly walks into a prison cell. They grab the door behind them and they slam it shut with no keys in hand. Coveting is has the notion of fixating and desiring and looking to and, and hoping and longing for. And if you've ever coveted anything, you do understand that it feels as if you can't get to it. If if, if you're so fixated and so focused on, on accomplishing a task or or gaining an accolade or or becoming famous, it, it, it begins to put your soul in a prison where you yourself are okay with closing the door and being in that cell until further notice. Now, my second-born daughter is really good at this. (laughs) I had to buy Christy a lamp last week because I mentioned her a few times. So I'm not sure what I'm buying. Kaya is definitely not going to be a lamp. I promise you that. It's going to be a high five or something. Uh, get out of get out of detention or get out of uh, uh, what is it uh, time out for free card? That's what I'm going to give her. Uh, but she's really good at this, and we learned this. Uh, I've learned this through time with her. She, she is one of the most focused individuals that I've ever met. When she wants to do something, she is going to do it. I've seen it over and over. I took her snowboarding at Welch Mountain or Wel- Welch Mountain. What a joke! A Wel- Welch Village. <laughs> uh. And I was like, hey, let's girls, let's start learning how to jump. And you know, so I went, we went to the snowboard park, and, and like, Kaya was so focused at accomplishing the task. And if she fell down, even though it was a good jump, she would just get so angry. And I was like, Kaya, it's okay. But the first time, one of the first times we ever learned that she really has this fixation uh, gift, <laughs> she has this, this ability to, to remain focused, uh, was when she was probably about three years old. And this one particular, I don't know what happened, but we got so much, they got so much candy for Valentine's Day. And Christy reminded me after first service, after sharing the story, this one particular day, she had this huge bag of candy and Christy was sleeping. I had left and I'd gone to work and she came up to Christy and she, she, she threw the candy on the bed right next to Christy and she said, can I have some? In her own language, we couldn't understand her at that point, probably. And uh, that day, what happened is one minute to 10 minutes to 15 minutes, one hour after another, throughout the day, she could not get her attention off the candy. Parents, do you ever feel like this with your kids? And by the time I had come home from dinner, uh, Christy was so fed up. She was so angry and so just like like just overwhelmed by the fixation that Kaya had for the candy. She had just kind of like given up and she's like, "Andy, you take care of it." And I was like, "I'm going to take care of it. I'll show you how I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to go Facebook live." <laughs> and so we cracked out the phone and I thought about sharing this, but too many I feel judged all the time. Uh, by you guys, so I'm not going to share that horrible video, but anyway, I pull out the camera, and I'm like, we're not going to have this anymore, we're not going to deal with this, Kai, you got to get your eyes off that candy, and I'm so sick of cavities, and by the way, the, like honestly, the week before, we had to pay like a $700 dental bill, so I was extremely angry about that as well. And So what ended up happening is I, we got that plastic bag, and we are like, Kaya, we're not going to give you candy. We'll find something else. But she starts crying about it and whining about it, and, and I go out to our deck, and I whip all the candy off the deck. It's this epic moment, and it's like dad, uh, dad 20, 2017 of the year. It was amazing, except for the fact that she's crying in the background. And like, it's like weeping and gnashing of teeth, like, no, I need my candy. And you see in the background, you see Zion kind of in the back, and she's just kind of observing. She's like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, she runs off. And if you watch the video, you begin to believe that like, it's because she's sad and she's like angry. But what you see momentarily, or a moment later, she comes out on the deck, and she's like, gone with cavities and sick of candy. And she threw all her candy off. It was an amazing moment. I was a proud father. Uh, except Kaya was still mad. She was still fixated on the thing that was just out of grasp. And I think sometimes in life, that's kind of how we handle the things that are just out of reach. And we get so focused, and maybe it starts like just kind of a fun little thing, but what it can really begin to do is cripple what God wants to do in our life, The big idea that I just want to present today to you is this. I believe God is trying to present through Exodus 20 in, in modern day terms. If Jesus was with us today, and we're going to read uh, Jesus' words here momentarily, I believe he'd lean in. He would just simply say this, be satisfied. That's the big idea. Look at the relational context that you're in right now a work environment relationship, a neighbor, dating, engaged, married, mom, dad, grandpa, enemy, whatever it might be, and ask yourself this one question, are you satisfied? Because I believe we're prone to be dissatisfied, dissatisfied, to just not be completely fulfilled In the context that God has us in. I just want to tell you this. If you aren't satisfied today, chances are you won't be tomorrow. Are you satisfied? So let's lean into what Jesus says in Matthew 5. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 5 as we read his words about the topic. Matthew 5 verse 3 says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me just pause there. It's hard to be satisfied when you don't have anything, when you have little. Y'all been there before? It's easy to desire more. But Jesus comes and he's teaching his disciples, those who are following after him. He's teaching the crowd. He's teaching everybody in the context uh, of of wherever he is. And he's just simply saying this, blessed are the poor the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he continues on. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit The earth and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. If I was going to personally paraphrase this to our context and and help us understand what Jesus is trying to tell us in the context of relationships, he would simply be telling you this you will be blessed even when you're poor. Let me say it again you can be blessed when you have nothing. You can be blessed when you've lost. You can find blessing, you can find satisfaction, even when you've been ripped off. Blessed are those who trust in God. You can be blessed if you trust God, even when it comes to your relationships. And lastly, blessed for the, you'll be blessed for those who reach for the right things. Blessed are those who reach the right things. Jesus is trying to tell his disciples this. This one thing. Jesus is saying this. If you can't find blessing at the floor of the valley, you won't ever sense and be satisfied on the mountaintop. Let me say that again. If you can't be satisfied at the floor of the valley, you will never be satisfied You'll never be fulfilled. You will never be content when you get to the mountaintop. Y'all know what I'm saying there? Anybody ever experienced that before? I know I have. Last week, uh, Christy and I had traveled down to Texas for what I call pastor's camp, uh, which is just a conference, uh, but you get all these pastors in uh, together and you realize uh, y'all probably better pray for us more. (laughs) But we're hanging out. And I remember we walked into this big mega church. And when I walked in, I began, I was just reminded of what we don't have at Echo quite yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, I, and I start feeling this uh, like, like if there was a time and there's an opportunity for me to begin to covet, uh, to begin to look to things that are kind of out of my reach. Uh, Just out of my reach. It was in the moment of the service, and the guy's preaching, and I should be focusing on what he's saying, but all I can think about is like how we don't have a building, uh, we don't have as nice of lights, and we can't do smoke in here or haze, and they've got this vibrant LED wall that like burns your retina. It's so beautiful and uh, um, so epic and then they're really good at video presentation and they did it really artistically and i'm like oh man that's so awesome and then the thing that i noticed was this this is really what kind of caught my eye i was like man they've got like a five foot high stage that is really nice mainly because i feel like you guys are looking down on me on zero you know inches here you know and uh And I started thinking about that. And then I looked up and I realized how high the ceiling was in this megachurch. And I was like, wow, man, this is so... I've never seen ceilings so high. It must have been like 75-foot ceilings. And as I was kind of just like taking the moment in and just kind of like processing the beautiful facility that I was sitting in and the beautiful service and and some of the things that were being said, I felt like God whispered in. The Lord whispered in and, and, and reminded me of this if you're not satisfied at ground level, you'll never be satisfied at five feet high. And then I felt he went even further and said, and if you can't find satisfaction at ground level, you'll never be satisfied when you're on the ceiling. And the same thing can be true in our life. I've lived it. I've experienced it. It's, it, it this is a tension that it doesn't matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, uh, you're going to feel it. This temptation to begin to covet, this temptation to gaze and desire what's not yours and feel that your life is less than because someone else has more. So, what I'm trying to tell you today, and just in some simple words, is you can be single and be satisfied, you can be married and be satisfied. You can be a bank teller and be satisfied. You can be a mom and find satisfaction. You can be a student and find satisfaction, but it simply needs to start today. Be satisfied. No matter if you have little or much or anything in between, satisfaction can be yours. At the low price 1999 and three payments. Now, but simply, I believe this, is you need to be reminded that whatever stage or phase you're in, it's meant to be a gift. It's meant to be a gift to you. And you're meant to be a gift to others. And the stage and phase that you're in, and there are blessings to be found in it. Let me just say it like this, man. I know there's a number of, single, number of single people in here. There's a number of married people in here, so you'll understand what I'm about to say. When you are single, or when we're single, we have a tendency to focus on what we don't have. But when we get married, we focus on what we once had and are now unsatisfied. There's only like one honest person sitting over here. And I'm not going to tell his wife that He's laughing. You should have seen him in first service. He was like this. <laughs> I kind of ripped on Christy last service about, uh, you know, that. And she said amen to, uh, about that. Because the truth is, is, is uh, when you were single, man, you had some freedom. When you're married, you have some kids. You may not have freedom, but you might have that fulfillment. And we kind of joke back and forth. I kind of dished on Christy a little bit. I owe her another dumb lamp. It's crazy. But I need to show you my sincere love for Christy because I'm wearing socks with her face on it. Thanks to the Shoal family. For those that doubted my love and my commitment to my wife, I am satisfied. Anyway, that just doesn't match, Pastor. Okay, <laughs> here's some application that I kind of want to talk about as we begin to close. And I want uh, you to hear this. I want to remind you uh, that no matter if you're single or you're married, this type of message is so pertinent, it's so important. And I believe that if we can find satisfaction, we can be satisfied, we can uh, just stop putting our gaze on everything we don't have and appreciating everything we do have, man, the Lord can begin to do wonders in our life. And I just want to tell you this. uh, Some of the loneliest times in my life were moments when I decided to try to reach for something that was just out of reach, just out of grasp. Uh, Some of you know this. Uh, Many of you don't. A couple years back, uh, a lot of years back, I did a thing called a snake board. And it was this like brand new extreme sport kind of board where it was kind of a cross between skateboard and snowboarding. And uh, just because of the upstart nature of it and when I found it, uh, I had this opportunity uh, to become professional with this company and travel honestly around the world. And uh, we had uh, three years, uh, I competed in the world championships and I had this opportunity to reach for being number one. And I remember my focus, like I had mentioned, if you were wondering where Kaya got that focus, it's from me. Uh, I had this ability to fixate on this goal, and I was going to become the best. And and I worked hard, and I I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked. But that stage of my life was arguably the loneliest time of my life. Because I grasped for something that was not attainable. I could do my best. I can operate in wisdom, but yet I was looking for fulfillment through accolade and position, and and you know, obviously, I never became famous, uh, but, <laughs> but I was striving for that, and it became such a lonely and 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 it was, I just couldn't find that satisfaction. Now, fast forward, uh, I had a few years uh, after that, man. I was in college, and uh, you know, I was seeing all my friends date these girls and then eventually get engaged and some of them were getting married and man I was horrible at the game, if you know what I mean. Uh and man, I was looking and I was looking, I was looking, but man, I was not finding. And they sure weren't finding me. And I was so like I was getting a little like scared, man. I'm like, I'm at this Bible training school and I think I'm gonna be a pastor, so I better find my wife. Otherwise, I'm doomed. You know, like, like it was just a context that I, I, I had put kind of, I kind of put God in that box. I remember it was about the last semester of my stay at North Central University. And I was thinking, um, I was kind of, actually, I was fed up. And I was like, man, this isn't going to happen. And I had this moment with God. And I was like, God, honestly, um, I give up. By the way, this is for some single person in here. It's like, God, I just I give up.
0: And that was a moment
1: where, honestly, I felt like I surrendered my plan and my purposes. And I said, God, whatever you have for my life, when it comes in the context of a relationship, I will trust you. A few months later, I met Christy, who's not right there. <laughs> she has hair. Uh, <laughs> I I couldn't resist. I guess I'm buying you a lamp too. Uh, (laughs) But boy, I was glad that God, as he whispered to me when I I gave up, he said, Andy, I'm bigger than your picture. I think sometimes we limit our life and we limit uh, the picture of how our life should be when we begin to covet, when we begin to desire other things, when we begin to lean into our things versus God's things. And I want to just remind someone of that today. And I just want to leave four practical uh, principles or reminders on how we can be and remain satisfied. We're going to lean into scripture and what it says. Number one, Jesus teaches us this. is Poor cannot define me. Poor cannot define me. My less will remind me that I'm living for something way more. I will not trade momentary pleasures for what matters most. When I have counseled and spoken to people who have dealt with infidelity and and they're unfaithful to the people that they're married to or dating with or whatever, the one common denominator that I've seen between uh, this person and their actions is that, man, they begin to, let me just get it right here, they begin, to, uh, they begin to grab for what is near instead of grabbing for what is dear. Let me say it again. They begin to grab for what is near instead of grabbing or grasping or holding on to what is dear, and so if we're going to be satisfied, we have to understand that our poor, our poorness, our less than cannot define us. Number two, uh, our loss, our failure, will not limit my life. Loss or failure will not limit my life. I have this image uh, this, this last trip where tons of pastors came down with us uh, and uh, two of uh, the pastors almost missed their flight because one pastor lost their earbuds and a pastor's wife lost her purse. So right at, as we were trying to board the plane and going to the airport, they realized they didn't have what they should have. And so what did they do? They, began to, uh, they had to make a, a call like, what do I do? Do I make the plane or do I leave my things? And sometimes I think what happens is this is, is when, we, uh, when, when we have loss, uh, and we, we allow loss to begin to limit our life, our focus gets so fixated, fixated on something that we miss the bigger picture. It's like looking for a dollar that you lost at the airport all to make your, all to lose your flight. Past failures are not meant to be roadblocks. They're meant to be stepping stones to a better relationship. The third one is this, is meekness is not weakness. Jesus reminds us that the meek will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And again, it's a term we don't use a lot. So let me read this uh, commentary, this theologian, he writes about meekness. He says, meekness towards God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and th- therefore we are uh, therefore without resisting so we we know that god's dealing with us is good and therefore we do not resist and in old testament the meek are those who wholly rely on god rather than their own strength to defend against injustice meekness is this commitment of saying god i trust you. On the outside, it may look weak. It may look like I am not strong. I'm, I'm not taking control, but that's because I'm putting my trust in you, God. And the fourth and last one is this. If we're going to find satisfaction, we're going to be satisfied as individuals in our relationships and in life as we got to begin to thirst for the right things. Thirst for the right things. In John 4, there's an account of Jesus traveling from city to city, and many people during those days took an alternative route because they didn't want to go through Samaria. But Jesus and his disciples, for whatever reason, I know the reason, because he was intentional and he went there and he had to meet someone. When he got to Samaria, he went to the well and he sent his disciples to the city to find some food and they were looking for stuff and and just some refreshments. And Jesus is sitting at the well and at the moment around noon it says, this woman came with her containers to draw from the well. And Jesus starts having this interaction with this woman. And what you understand about the Samaritans is Jews didn't interact with Samaritans because they were less than, because they weren't worthy, because they were dirty, they were unclean, they were undesirable. So just the simple fact of Jesus coming to Samaria or sitting outside the city of Samaria is a big deal. The second big deal is this, is this woman who's coming out at noon is doing things out of order. See, the women from Samaria would come out of the city before the sun would come up. And they would gather their water and prepare for the day and bring it home so they could prepare for food and, and make sure that their family had all their needs met. But this woman could not come with them because she was an outcast. She was an outcast of the outcast. And what we find in the story is Jesus is sitting next to her. And as she's lowering the water, Jesus said, would you get some water for me? And as she's pulling up the bucket, Jesus simply leans in and says, if you would drink of me, you would never thirst again. And she was confused. And she was like, well, what are you talking about? And Jesus just kind of like read her mail. He knew her story, that she had been with six men up to that point. She'd been divorced six times. That relationships were not working. She was not finding satisfaction in that context. And Jesus steps in. He looks at her and says, thirst for me. thirst for the right thing was saying without saying, it, I believe Jesus was saying, you can continue to look for fulfillment the way that you've always to have, but what if you would change your perspective, you would change your gaze, you would change your desire and stop coveting what you don't have and simply accept the hand Jesus puts out? You close your eyes. We you just bow your head. Focal reasons. Today I sense... Some of you relate to this woman at the well. You don't have much. You've been ripped off. You've lost so much of your life up to this point. You don't relate to meekness because you just want to take control and and you're into survival here and survival of the fittest and so you're going to do whatever it takes in order for you to achieve whatever thing is in front of you and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're looking not the right things but the momentary things and Jesus wants to just simply lean in today and to remind you this one thing you will not be satisfied until you find that satisfaction through, G- through Jesus alone. See, Jesus is here and he leans in and he's whispering, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Jesus, today we come and we hear those words, we we're challenged. this message that coveting, desiring, gazing within our flesh or in our spirit will not bring satisfaction. And many of us, story of our life, story of our situation, story of the context and the relationships that we're in today, It's the context of us trying and our trying and our trying, and yet we're still not fulfilled. And today, I just, I just sense that God, this isn't about my words, but by about your movement and what you want to say and do in each and every one of us. So today, we fix our gaze on you, God. We surrender. We surrender our efforts, we surrender our plan, and we say, God, we're going to lean in to you. We thank you for that acceptance. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? And would you stand up really quick? Some of you walked into this place and you hear this message and you don't relate at all because you don't know this man named Jesus who came and walked on earth 2,000 years ago all to lay his life down so that you might have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Today is the day that Jesus leans in and he says, Come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, those who are thirsty and find rest. Some of you came in here and you feel distant from God, and we want to invite you to take a step towards him today. And we think the best way to do that is just simply a prayer. A prayer that we say for the very first time today, but we also say for the rest of our life, saying, God, we will follow you. Jesus, we follow you. And at Echo Church, we want to make it easy for those that want to have that prayer for the first time. So we're going to pray it with you. And after this, we're going to rejoice with you because this type of prayer has ultimately changed our life. And we're excited about the satisfaction you can find in Jesus alone. Church, can we pray this? Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers. I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. And everybody said,
0: let's celebrate with those people this morning. If that was you this morning, would you do us a huge favor? And actually, I think you're doing yourself a favor too, but I'm a little biased. Would you take this Connect card and would you just fill that out? And at the bottom it says, Today I committed my life to Christ or Today I recommitted my life to Christ. If that's you, would you fill this out? Let us come alongside you and help you in this journey. Let's give you some resources and some steps and some things to do. If you do that though, drop it in the offering bucket today or like, you know, grab me or, or grab Pastor Andy or Pastor Christy and, and we'd love to take those from you and talk a little more about some next steps. It'd be a good thing. You know, I've been thinking about Andy's message all morning. I don't know if you guys realize this, but Andy was kind of a big deal in the snakeboarding world. He was number two in the world at one point. Like that number one spot was in grass. Like it was right there. And I made fun of snakeboarding a little bit at first service, but instead I'd rather turn this a little bit differently. I'm curious if Andy gets to that point, if he's still up here on Sunday mornings. And sometimes I think about the things that we don't get a hold of that sometimes are what lead us to where we need to be. And so right now, I guess I'm just grateful that you were number two and not number one, my friend. I'm just throwing that out there. So love you, buddy. It's just funny how many times we are grasping for something and it's that relationship, it's that whatever it is, whatever that thing is. And sometimes it's that thing, I think, if you guys have ever watched these documentaries, there's people that win the lottery and it's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. That's sometimes how I feel about some of the things I'm grasping for that I don't get a hold of. I'm just going to trust God that those weren't the things that were for me. So just an encouragement today. Um, our section hosts are going to come forward, and we're going to take the offering this morning. I want to put something, I just want to, there's something that's really been pressing on my heart lately, which is we are a permanent church, but we are in a temporary building, right? That's us. We're Echo Church, and we're going to be here, our idea is that we're going to be here forever making an impact in this community, but we're in a temporary building, and I believe that God's got plans for us to be in a permanent building. Now, there isn't any, I I mean, as far as we know, there's no plan tomorrow. There's no piece of land we have picked out, although if it comes along, I mean, we'll work it out. But I'm believing right now that God has a plan. And what I'm wondering about, and just something, just kind of tuck this away and think about it a little bit, but what's the part that you could play in doing that? When we make a difference, when we give, I believe when we give to Echo Church, our purpose is to make a difference in this community and around the world. We don't give to Echo Church, we give through Echo Church. And we have a vision for some incredible things that God's going to do through this church. And so when I think about some of the things that, that that church in Texas had that we didn't, all I know is that God has huge plans for this city and this church to do huge, huge things. And I just want to encourage you to be a part of it. Be, be, man, be committed. Be committed to what God has for you in your life. Uh, let's do this. Let's pray this morning and just trust God. God, you are good. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for bringing us along on this journey, God. Thank you for the times where we are grasping for something and we come up short. Thank you for the times that you put us in the place that you've called us to be. God, as we are giving this morning, as we are trusting you this morning, as we are taking steps out in faith to get to know you more this morning, God, move in our lives and remind us how powerful you are, how much you love us, and how important this journey is. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Echo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take just a second to share it with a friend or family member who might need to hear this word today. And if you're feeling alone, lost, have a question, or want help with anything, please reach out to us. We are the echo church slash contact. We would love to help you no matter who you are or where you're at. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more, make sure to head over to that website, wearetheecho.church to get all the details and upcoming services and events.